Welcome to episode 137 of the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Jurayev, and my co-host, the brain-damaged fighter to my Sean Shelby, Nick Braccia. Nick, there are a bunch of like older fighters that have taken a bunch of concussions that probably should not be competing anymore. There's a chance that one or two of them will be very politely asked by the UFC to retire. I'm talking about Donald Cerrone, Joe Lazan, we got Shogun Hua, We've got Francisco Trinaldo, who doesn't seem shopworn, but he's up there in his, in his mid to high 40s at least, based on look alone. Um, we've got Tony Ferguson. We got Tony Ferguson. We got all right? kinds of upper 30s, up to 40s. Somehow Shogun's only 40. How I'm six years older than Shogun Hua, I've got no idea. OSP is just as old, practically. He's 39. We got. Right. I mean, we got guys with, we got guys with 16 losses, 16 losses, 15 losses, 12 losses, like even Oliveira. So the, and by the way, one of them eight, is the champion. Eight, yeah, eight losses. Eight right. losses. There's a lot of there's a lot of L's on this card. A lot of well traveled guys. Um, seriously, you do not you don't see as many. But their names. I'll take those guys over a couple of random contender series. Oh, or I mean, it, you know, well, in in some cases, there are, listen. There are instances. I don't ever need to see OSP or Shogun fight again. There are. I'm I'm okay watching Joe Lazon and Donald Cerrone compete against lower level competition. Uh, or each other. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about the each other part, but... Uh, it's the Legends division, Nick. I feel like that's the most compassionate way to let these guys kind of go off. Yeah, and the fact the fact that, like... I mean, there might be some good jiu-jitsu in this fight. Like, that would make me happy if it ended up being, like, a great, you know, great jiu-jitsu fight. Because they're both, they're both quite talented. Um, I agree, on the ground in particular. Yeah, on the ground. Um, but they're, you know... Cerrone's got all sorts of glass body parts at this point, And Lozon... Uh, it, you know, it's not, I mean, he does too, even if you look at his wins. No, not at all, and he's never had the cardio. So it's like this this kind of combination of, of, of factors that make this, you know, again, intriguing. Like, I, you know these guys. You know exactly what they're about. I mean, right, just looking at the card, you know exactly what these guys are going to bring, and it's going to be exciting. Like, they're almost never in a boring fight. So, listen, I won't complain with those guys fighting each other. I do think Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, if it was a five-round fight, man, I'd be a lot more into it. I'm, I don't love that, that Chandler can escape with just, like, winning the first two rounds and then, you know, holding on in the third if he needs to, even though, who knows, maybe he'll starch him. But in any case, Nikolai, let's, let's dive into let's UFC 274. The, yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Joe Lozon. Shock, like shock knocking out Jens Pulver in 48 seconds was almost 16 years ago. Wow, Nick. That is absolutely insane. I was, I was, I was a young man still looking forward to good things in the world, not knowing that this is where we would all end up. And, and you, Nick, you must have been in what? Your I was 30. Mid-30s? I was 30. I, wasn't, I <laughs> yeah. still lived in New York. I hadn't moved to California yet. Uh, the woman I was dating was a serious pain in the ass who hated MMA. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that was long before his, his win against Jason Reinhardt. Uh, gosh. That, that when the, is, when that the pay-per-views had a, names. And UFC 78, card. validation. Right. Well, listen, what don't get me wrong. Main, this is a good card. What was the main event on that card? Oh, that was, that was the, the Evans-Bisbee card. Which ended, um, yeah, which... Uh, is it really what it's called, validation? Yeah. That was a split. That was not. That was a split decision. It, uh, and that's. It was after that fight that Bisping moved down to middleweight. We also had Tiago Silva uh, destroying Houston Alexander on that card. It was the end of the. Oh, we had uh, Frankie yes. Frankie Edgar and Sp- against Spencer Fisher in a fight I've got no memory of. Ed Herman against Joe Dirksen, which I do remember. Carl Parisian against Rio Shonen. What a card! 
Akira. Nick. Ak- wait. <laughs> Akihiro Gano against the Barncat, oh, wow. Tamden McCrory. All right, enough. Tamden motherfucking McCrory. Man, that is some old back in the day shit. Tamden McCrory was interesting because he was too young for the UFC. And then he went into Bellator and started fucking destroying people. Was called back into the UFC. And just got starched, and his chin never recovered, and that that, that was basically it, man. Like, he looked like gold in Bellator uh, uh, on his return time in May. Unfortunate, like, guy who missed out on the majority of his very short prime, as as it seems. So, UFC 274, Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. Uh, I think it's the first time we're mentioning these two guys' names. This is a pretty big main event. We did mention Oliveira. It's a pretty big main event, Nick. It's guaranteed to be exciting. It's likely to end in decisive fashion sooner or later. Yep. These two guys are known for being extremely exciting, known for being at high level, right? Justin Gaethje, 23-3. and three. I know that he's like 6-3 and three in his last nine, but those three losses are the only three losses on his record. He lost to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier back in 2017 and 18, and respectively. And since then, looking really good, besides that Khabib loss, in which in the first round he did more damage to Khabib than maybe anybody ever has. Like, he just landed a lot of leg kicks, a lot of bombs. Yeah, and, so and intrigued by him. And he's not fighting this time the best offensive wrestler on the planet. Um, That's definitely the, an exaggeration, odd, but he's a damn good one. Khabib, well, the odds are, I mean, the odds are fucked up. The odds are up, it's up like plus 160. The uh, dog for Gagey, I think it's a much closer fight than that. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I am glad that like people are... Because I was one of the very, very, very few people that picked Oliveira to beat um, Poirier because Poirier has porous takedown defense. And we saw the way he can get out grappled by somebody like Khabib. Um, and I expected Oliveira to be capable of all of that, and that's exactly how it worked out, although he was buzzed a few times. That's what's making it, what makes it interesting, right? Offensively, Charles Oliveira is fucking brilliant. But he gets buzzed in every single fucking loss or win, Nick. I'm sorry, every single uh, win in the last several fights. Kevin Lee kept getting taken down and controlled, right, even though he was putting Lee in danger. Tony Ferguson, that was that was a relatively dominant fight. Michael Chandler hurt him badly. Dustin Poirier hurt him badly, right? Like, he had to he had to come through and, and show that he has the grit that he didn't have when his early 20s when he was first yes, in the UFC. Yes, but Gaethje's a soul snatcher. He is, but Gaethje also has... What, from what looks like to me, a really bad ground game. The kind of ground game that once this fight hits the floor, it's probably over if, shortly after. If he ends up Whereas on his standing back, up, it's competitive. Well, I would yeah, say right. this. I think, I think Justin Gagey off of his back is in trouble. But I don't think that Justin Gagey is a bad de- offensive or defensive wrestler. He's not no, a good, he's not a he's bad not one. He's not a good grappler off his back. He should be able to keep himself standing. Although, did Nick Newell take him down? Oh, that's interesting. I'm not he sure. Might, he that, might that is have. Interesting. Nick Newell might have taken him down once. I can't remember. So if you, uh, I think Justin Gaethje's takedown defense in the UFC is somewhere around 77%. Let's see. He's been, he was taken down by Michael Chandler once. He was taken, and I assume he popped right back up to his feet. Taken down by Khabib twice and almost was finished twice. But Khabib, Eddie Alvarez took him down. Michael Johnson took him down. That was way earlier in his career, granted. So he's given up three of the five takedowns he's given up in the UFC in his last two fights, one of them a loss to Khabib. Look, it's intriguing. I agree with you that it's close. I think it's insane that the odds are this wide apart. But, Nikolai, let's let's jump into this. Um, I, you know what? I can't recall who has the first pick this week. I picked up, by the way, just really quick. Currently, we're at 45 of my points to 40 of yours on five points up over you. I picked up uh, another two points on top of the three lead that I already had uh, in the last card that we broke down together, Nick. And since then, I went ahead and, and my wife and I, we had another daughter. And Skylar Page Drive is absolutely adorable and perfect. And 
you know, who knows? Maybe this is bias talking, but I am really into her. Oh, I can't believe I didn't fucking say that. I can't believe that you had to introduce that yourself, but I forgot. Well, Nick, I'm you know, a, a friend, a, a friend, a co-host that cares may have done I that. I mentioned but, it the, at know, the end of the last two. I just like, yeah, it's it. Sorry, audience. I took half an edible, so like, not necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily the best, Nick. It's all right. I was training all day. I did triples. I did triples. Um, cardio, striking, and jiu-jitsu practice, so, you know. So you're that tired yeah, on top of the like edible, the right. It's kind of like, who were you kidding? I ate, no, I ate like seven microwave potatoes today, and like, <laughs> it was just, anyway. Um, to be honest, it, it sounds like you're hard at work in either case, but Nikolai, yeah. let's get into this card, man. Uh, as far as who has the first pick, let me quickly see here. I think you do, unfortunately. I, had, I think I took either Romanov or, or Barry last time. So I don't think Romanov was that the last card. Yeah, you took Romanov the last card. You're you're right. I get the first pick. This is interesting. Who is going to be my very first pick of the night? Given these odds, your mom. Um, actually, my mom was in town. She is she's currently at my home, and uh, <laughs> to be honest, she, she's she's a really she's a really great lady, but she's not much of a fighter. Yeah, she's not on the card. All right. Although I've never seen her in a fight. She'd be, she'd be better than Michael Michael Jackson. Um, uh, probably, although there was like eight seconds where he looked pretty sharp there, uh, before everything started to fall apart. So, um, I'm going to, as my first pick, I'm going to take, is this really what I'm going to do? This is crazy. Don't do it. I can't believe I, Don't do it. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and take Andre Fialho to beat Cameron Oh, Van that Camp. was going to be my first pick. Um, I, I just, Why is that Andre crazy? Fialho's, Fialho is awesome. Um, yeah, he is awesome, but it's, it's his lack of conditioning that I'm concerned with. And he looked better in his last fight, or at least he willed through being tired. Usually he wins the first round. If he doesn't knock you out, though, everything falls apart. You thought he got, he didn't look tired to me at all against Miguel Baeza. Um, you're talking about his, well, long, you're talking about his fight? Michelle Pajaya fight? Because he got a little... Uh, well, no, I'm, ta- I'm, talking about, I'm talking about his losses prior to the Pajaya fight. I, I watched all of those fights before his UFC debut. I see. And, you know, it, it, there is some concern there, especially with him taking this fight on short notice. Granted, he fought three weeks ago and, and got a pretty big first-round knockout. Uh, or is it second? Yeah, first-round knockout. Like, he didn't get a chance to get tired. It wasn't a super high-paced fight against Pereira, like he's shown in his losses to Antonio Dos Santos Jr., to Chris Curtis... Um, these are guys that uh, Chidi and Jaguani, to be fair, just caught him straight on as soon as the fight started. But he's shown that. He's even shown that in a couple of his wins where where the fight goes a little bit later and he's getting a bit more tired. Uh, but he still kind of scores a knockout because he's heavy-handed. Look, I mean, do you, think he's, trains... do you think he's going to be challenged heavily by a guy that lost to Bobby Volker no. two years ago? I no, mean... and that's the thing is that is that he's getting he's getting a, he's getting a friendly matchup here. The only chance that I see Cameron Van Camp having he's a pretty hittable guy going up against a seriously heavy pressure fighter, heavy handed, excuse me, pressure fighter, and Andre Fialo. Um, I think the only chance he has is if he takes over in that second round. But if Pereira couldn't very exactly, exactly. Do that, that's like um, yeah. Right. What, what's what's this guy going to show him that Michelle Bahia did not? Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you for that reason. Andre Fialo is my first pick. Well, screw you then, man. Um, like in what context? Like what are we talking I, about? You took my you took my pick, bro. You took Got it. my pick. Got my it. second. Well, you took Romanoff, and that worked out for you. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. On the main card, the question is: which of these two bouts is a sure thing? I'm gonna say that I don't think there's any way that for more more even if everything goes Carla Esparza's way, and I love Carla Esparza. Even if everything goes her way, she can hold Rose down for 10 minutes. 
I don't think she's going to be able to hold, hold Rose down for longer than 10 minutes, which means that she's going to look like a tutorial fighter getting aced up in UFC, EA's UFC 4. Because if, she, like, because if she's caught... Uh, if she's caught in a striking battle with Rose, Rose's athleticism, her creativity, um, her timing, or she's gonna, she's gonna land a shin to that chin, no doubt. So I just don't see, and even if even if Asparza's cardio is is like really better than usual, if it's better than ever, like it's still gonna take like holding Rose down for two rounds is still gonna take a lot of energy. I just don't think, I don't think she can sustain you know, that kind of like five, you know, five round top control fight against, uh, against the champion. So Rose Namajunas. Yeah, I'm there with you. She looked very different in her last fight against Yang Zhanan than she has in years or ever really in her entire career. She's never looked that dangerous, that aggressive, that in physically in shape. She just looked fucking phenomenal. Her cardio seemed to be there and she didn't even need to truly use it because she was able to end the fight in the second round. Her first uh, stoppage win in, let me see here, uh, since the last time she fought Rose Namajunas in 2014. Nick, I didn't even plan that. That worked out so well. Um, I don't remember Rose her stopping Rose. Then. She stopped her with with grounded power. Oh, yeah, she she, she basically smoked her. She rear naked choked I remember, her. I yeah. remember the fight she, and that Rose just couldn't couldn't do anything to stay out, but I thought I couldn't remember if it was a decision. Um, no, but she finished her, and I remember Rose, like, sitting – just like just depressed look on her face as Carla's celebrating. You know, Rose was a big favorite. She was seen as like this dynamic. She, like, she was a kid that was like two and two. Or, absolutely. Know. That's the thing, right? As, as talented as she was, she wasn't quite ready. She wasn't seasoned. She is now seasoned. But between these two girls, who has the biggest winning streak? By a good margin, it is, it is freaking Carla Sparza. And the argument could be made, man, and call me crazy, that – Rose should only have those two wins against Weili Zhang because Jessica Andrade arguably beat her in the rematch on top of the knockout win she had in their first fight back in 2019. So, look, she's faced some high-level competition. She does have losses here and there. Not to people like Carla Esparza, though, besides her last fight. Well, right? except, for, except, for, except for her literal loss to Carla Esparza. But, uh, very true. That, that is very true. But again, a different rose, right? A this diff- is a, a different rose. A different rose. But this is maybe the most technical. This is actually not maybe. This is the the most technical striker at 115, period, by far. There's there's nobody more uh, nearly as technical as her, including Yoanny and Jacek. What's wild is the level that she's been at for this long. Rose is only 11 and 4 as a pro, okay? That means 15 fights. Right. In those 15 fights, five of them were rematches. Right. She has rematched That's interesting. Wait, Esparza, Tisha Torres, Joanna Giancic, Jessica Andrade, and uh, Weili Zhang. Like, you're going to tell me she's never lost in a rematch? Is that what you're going to tell me? Um, oh, let me she see. hasn't. Carolina Kowalkiewicz, she, she only fought her once, yes, huh? Yes, but, she, she, but she, has, she has not lost a rematch. The two fights that she lost to, on, to Andrade and uh, well, the loss to Andrade she avenged, and yeah, like Rose. Yeah, I just think even Weili Zhang, who she beat the first time, she still you know beat her the second time. Jessica Andrade, you know, again an arguable fight, but she did you know she did get her hand raised. I don't think, you know, I don't think this is completely unwinnable. I just think it's highly unlikely that this is the night that Rose, you know, the wheels fall off the. The petal falls off the rose. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm I'm, I'm largely that. there with you. Nothing for that. Instead of the wheels fall off the bus, I transitioned to the petals 
fall off the roast. Nick, you know what's funny? It wasn't that it wasn't cle- it wasn't that it was not clever. It wasn't that it was not funny. It's that it just went over my head. I, I was so focused that, on. That's smart. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, that's true. But despite that, I still have a five point lead over you, Nick. And Oof. five points is like significant in this company. You know, it's it's not it's I, not twelve points like I won the last last season, but still, it's significant, right? It, you know, the reason I didn't um, <laughs> I didn't see the wheels off the bus is because Rose already had a horrible situation on the bus, and I didn't want to build, you know. That she increased did. Increased trauma. If, anyway. If you, know, if you know a charismatic Irishman that is constantly on cocaine and has a charter flight, maybe don't pick on his friend along with your buddies with a camera around. I'm just saying. And I, I'm not saying Rose did that, but a certain could be Norma Gomedov may have. Nick, mess, my next pick. This back. podcast is brought to you by Proper 12. Um, all right. That was really that was really good, Nick. That, that was, was not one of your. That was accents. terrible. <laughs> to my like to my nascent ear that has no idea yeah. what a true Irish accent is supposed to sound like, right. that sounded good. Nick, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Clayton Rodriguez and CJ Vargara. Yep. Vargara is not really a player at one twenty five skill. Well, neither are you. Not up to par of the average. No, it's true. <laughs> at one twenty five, I I would have to cut myself and have to literally almost literally and have to make that weight. But Nick. Glitzen Abreu looks like he's going to be a problem. Now, granted, this is a contender series guy, so I, I'm almost like cussing myself for picking a guy, kind of just making his UFC debut this early. But he's doing it against a guy who's already made his UFC debut and didn't look very good. That last round, he looked decent because his opponent got exhausted. But CJ Vergara is not going to have enough for Glitzen Abreu. He's defensively responsible, really sharp, kind of Brazilian, uh, almost shooter box style of, of uh, uh, Muay Thai. He's got a really good ground game. Not the best takedown defense, right? But he's got a really good Brazilian jiu-jitsu game. So I don't see any reason for CJ Vergara to do very well in this final. This is wrestling has just leveled up a couple of feet, and Clitson Abreu has not grown in that regard. I like Clitson Abreu to make a successful UFC debut, uh, probably by finish. Uh, I agree with you there. Um, so let me add that. Uh, add that to me. Abreu by finish? He selects. Sorry, uh, Clitson Rodriguez. That's what I thought, yeah. But I wasn't gonna. I was gonna let you, you know, screw it up. Um, I'm gonna go with the other main card fight that I think is close to a gimme. Um, I'm not the biggest Michael Chandler fan, and he's clearly a beatable guy. But here's the thing: Tony Ferguson, his nev- like, he's he's never had shut your lights off power. He hurts guys. He knocks them down. He catches them off guard. He doesn't switch the lights off. Um, and Chandler's also a really strong offensive wrestler who, if he wanted to and wanted to, based on what we've seen from Tony Ferguson in the last couple of years, um, if Michael, if Michael Chandler wanted to win this fight the way that Charles Oliveira beat him, I think he can. I don't think Chandler will. Um, I think Chandler likes his fight bonus. Um, but I don't, I don't think Tony's, uh, durable. And I don't think he's got the defensive wrestling to not get taken down by Chandler. And I think I don't think Chandler will get submitted by Ferguson uh, either. I think he's too strong um, and too experienced. So, like, I just think Chandler has more paths to victory here. So, Tony Ferguson, you're saying is not durable? Not anymore. He just got through. He just got through. In his last three fights, he got through six. Uh... 10, almost 11 rounds with Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Benil Darius. He got finished by Justin Gaethje. In the fifth round, he was on his feet, just, you know, 
got hit. And I think he, get, was I think he gets silly. hurt. I, he's, I know he doesn't get, like, his chin's not gone like Edgar's, but I think he gets beat up and hurt and taken, like, taken out of the fight. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. He, he's a slow starter. He usually gets tagged up early by Cerrone, who's a slow starter too, by Kevin Lee. He was getting taken down uh, and, and really dominated early. By Lando Venata, he got hurt early in the fight before he had to take over. Edson Barboza had a decent first round against him before his pressure started to take effect. But that's the thing about a pressure fighter is that it starts to take effect later in a fight. He is durable enough. Now, look, Chandler has lights out fucking power. He's not going to get tired in three rounds. I mean, Chandler Chandler is known for for getting exactly that, for being tired, right? He had to rely on a few matchups in a five-round fight on just, like, getting takedowns and just holding top position without doing a damn thing several times against, like, mid-level MMA competition. Tony Ferguson, I think, mentally is probably not, shouldn't be fighting, probably shouldn't have been for a little while. Oh, yeah, did he? And have you heard? But he, that's another reason why I'm picking against him. Calling. What's he, that? He compared Dana White to a drug dealer today and, like, went on a crazy. He's, he sounds insane. He sounds like Diego Sanchez now when he talks. Oh, interesting. I haven't, I haven't heard this. Uh, Diego Sanchez, by the way, had a decent showing against, uh, uh, in his last fight against Kevin Lee. So, like, crazy doesn't necessarily mean you can't fight. If this was a five-round fight, I would absolutely be taking a ride on Tony Ferguson to take over in the second half of the fight because I don't believe in Michael Chandler's durability. I don't believe in his cardio. I don't really believe in his heart, although he showed some of that in his last matchup against Justin Gaethje. I will agree with you on the pick, though. Uh, look, I would have seriously considered, again, in a five-rounder, I would have absolutely picked Tony Ferguson a plus 320 for three points in our competition, right? But that is not the case here. I might still throw something on Tony. I really don't like Michael Chandler, and I think he's a holy fighter. It's just, you know, the UFC is giving him a gimme in this case, or at least they believe they are, and and for that reason, it's hard to uh, it's hard to disagree with you. you think I took it? Wait, 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 wait. Do you think I took it huh? too early? Um... It's it's tough because I, I can say that I, I can see a fighter too I would have taken over this so yeah maybe, um but not not super early like it is hard to rely on Tony Ferguson but he did again he got dominated excuse me by Benil Darius who's got a brilliant ground game and submits everybody and he couldn't finish him he got dominated by Charles Oliveira who finishes every fucking body nick, right he he almost went the full five rounds with Justin Gaethje who was landing hundreds of of heavy shots on him so. The dude's a survivor, and if you're going to tell me that old a fraction of old Tony is not good enough to beat a chi- uh, beat up a tired Mike Chandler in the third round, um, uh, you know he's, he'd really have to be past it for that. He to might win the so, round, but I don't. But well, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do hear you, but he is a finisher. Michael Chandler fucking gets exhausted, man. He's not super durable. Again, um, I'm, I'm hoping we get a glimpse of old Tony in the third round because I really don't like Michael Chandler. I think he's overpaid. I think he. It's the classic example of Dana White privilege. If Dana likes you, you're going to get some great opportunities. Um, other opportunities he got that he didn't really deserve, a number of contender fight, a title fight. In this case, it's an opportunity to just beat up on an, on a, on an aged veteran who everybody wants to fight. So, again, Dana White likes him, and, and that's his advantage. That's why he gets paid $900,000 win or lose, uh, because Dana likes him. So, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Norma Dumont and Macy Chazon. Macy Chazon came into the UFC looking like a prospect at 145, I think, initially through the Ultimate Fighter, and then she ended up moving down to 135 just like everybody else in that division. Um, looked good for the most part, right? She's got an early in her career win over... Um, hold on, i got to click on her to, to, to tell you the name of the opponent that she beat. That is impressive. Uh, it was Penny Kanzad, right? She beat her in the Ultimate Fighter finale. Penny's turned out to be like a real contender at 135, 
Unfortunately, Macy's prospect status is not proving to be all that reliable. Fortis MMA is proving to be a gym that can make some improvements in prospects, but doesn't really bring anybody to the top, even somebody with real talent. Like, I think Macy probably has. Um, here's the thing. I think that Norma Dumont is really technical. She's defensively oriented. She has an excellent jab, probably the best jab in women's MMA, and that's saying something, right? This fight is at 145. Norma does not have to cut weight. Macy Chazon is not super strong for a 145, or she's on the strong side for 135, yeah. Ish, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like A lot of these longer fighters... Um, Particularly, more often than not, women, like the very, very tall, lanky ones, they don't tend to have the most powerful core. And even though they, their arm strength, their shoulder strength might be there, that lack of core strength is, is what I, I think will amount to effective takedown defense for Norma Dumont, who should be the much more technical uh, fighter standing, should be the much more effective fighter standing. I hope that she lights her up. Um, I, I think she has the potential to do that, Norma Dumont does. But, you know, she could just keep it safe and keep jabbing her at distance and, and make this a boring fight. Uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got Norm in this also. I like Macy Chazon. I don't think that she's strong enough to fight a, a real 145-er. Um, she's got height, but she's one of those fighters. Like, you know, it'd be great to see her. She's five. She's got a four-inch height advantage, I think, and her reach advantage is it's going to be massive, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah, like a five-inch reach advantage. Like, but I don't know. That, I just don't. I don't trust that she's going to be able to use it. Um, I guess I'm up. All right, I'm gonna go. There's there's a couple. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna go on a. I'm not gonna pick a wild one yet. I uh, I like Randy Brown. I do. I just think that um, we haven't we haven't really seen uh, Chaos Williams badly hurt, and he's been in there. You know, he's been in there with some killers. Um, I. Th- I just I, I just like his uh, I like his punching power to um, really spook uh, Randy Brown. Uh, if not if he's on if he's not necessarily able to finish him, I think Brown will become tentative and like his output's not going to be great because um, I think when when Williams lands he's going to hurt him. Yeah, it's tricky with Brown because skill wise he should have the edge and. And I, I wasn't the biggest believer in Chaos Williams when he first entered the UFC because the majority of his wins prior to that on the regional scene was just like decisions where he would take guys down and lay on them essentially. Like not the highest level of wrestling, not the highest level of grappling, but clearly he's incredibly athletic. He's got just lead in his hands, knocking mofos out left and right. His first two UFC fights against Alex Morona and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, just like sub-60 seconds combined, two straight right-hand knockouts. So, dude's seriously powerful. Had a very close fight with Michelle Pereira that could have gone his way. Really kind of dominated Mike, um, Matt Semmelsberger and then knocked out Miguel Baeza, who's fairly chinny. I think that um, Randy Brown is probably the more skilled fighter. He's got big size advantage, right? He could keep this at kicking range if he's really smart, if he's really cautious, and not take a shot to the head. Don't give Chaos the opportunity to counter, right? Don't throw a whole lot of low kicks because he counters those well, but plenty of teeps. Plenty of side kicks, plenty of uh, head kicks and body kicks, right? You've got to be mindful of the potential counter right hand. And if he does that, he could win this fight. I even think he might have a slightly better ground game, although the the, the clinch favors him. I'm not sure the wrestling does. Chaos has fairly effective um, you know, kind of defense and offense wrestling, I would say. I'm going to pick Chaos Williams in this one, too. I, I'm in agreement with you. I like him. I, I think he's got a lot more potential than I first thought. 
And I think he's more than just a guy that needs a one-shot knockout. He's patient. Um, he, he's, he doesn't put himself in serious danger. He can be a little low output at times, and that's where I see an opening for Randy Brown. But I'm there with you on the pick. My next pick is going to be in the matchup between Donald Cerrone and Joe Lazon. Um, Donald Cerrone, right, on paper, both guys in their primes. Donald Cerrone wins his handily, right? There's not really much of a conversation. These odds shouldn't be, you know, even within, like, like Donald Cerrone probably a minus 250 favorite. If both these guys were in their primes and Cerrone was not coming off of a, like, what is it, uh, five-fight losing streak, for God's sake, Nick, that's insanity, right? He lost to Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, Anthony Pettis, and Rafael Dos Anjos. Arguably beat Anthony Pettis to his credit. Had a very close fight with Nico Price in there. Um, but he hasn't been looking good. He got armbarred by Rafael Dos Anjos, right? Armbarred in a grappling tournament back in December of 2020. He got submitted in the first round, five minutes and 14 seconds by Greg Jones in a recent grappling competition in December of last year. Also in December of last year, he got finished in the first round by Joe Selecki. So like, it's not only that he's getting knocked out by fast starters, right? If Alex Marone is able to just run through you, like, he doesn't run through anybody. He goes to decisions with just about every low- to mid-level opponent he faces, right? But but Cerrone just could not last a minute. And it's tricky because Cerrone, great gas tank, right? The second round is where he normally starts to look good unless he's facing a really effective pressure fighter, whereas Joe Lazan, super fast starter, slows down as the fight goes on. Effective grappling has some power in his hands, as we saw, you know, ever since his UFC debut back in the day, in which he got that shocking, that huge upset over, um, uh, who, who did he beat, Nick? Jens Pulver. Right, brought him right into the Ultimate Fighter, and he had a decent UFC career. Both these guys have, uh, both these guys, you know, in that top ten range, a good portion of their careers, particularly Cerrone. But at this point, with Donald Cerrone being a terribly slow starter, being just a shell of his former self, having taken so many concussions in the last just few years, um, and Joe Lazan having power in his hands, being aggressive, knowing that he's his best chances in the first round, and knowing that he's a fast starter against a slow starter Cerrone who's not durable in the first round, I'm going to pick Joe Lozano plus 150 odds. I'm going to go for the two points. Joe Lozano, smart man. It's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go for a two-pointer right here, which might be a riskier one. But I think, like, I don't know what was up with Shogun during that second uh uh, Bear Jew fight when he went up against Paul Craig, but he looked pretty good against uh, Little Nog. And I thought it was a super close fight against a, f- a fellow really yeah, old. Yeah, it was, guy, but though. he looked up, but he, he took, but, a, yeah. he took shots though. He, he took shots. He did. Um, he did. You know, I, I think that, I think OSP has even slowed down since he, uh, since he beat Shogun. Um, it was a while ago now, wasn't it? Their fight, it was... Yeah, yeah it was three or four years ago. And by the way, the freaking rematch everybody's been waiting for, good on the UFC for making this happen. Yep, you're being very sarcastic. Um, you picked up on that, huh? When was their fight? Okay. God, oh, wow, is that long ago now? Jeez, eight years. Um, wow. Yeah, it was right after the... Uh, not right after, it was like eight months after the second Dan Henderson fight. Um, I remember thinking Shogun should probably retire after that, and here we are eight years later. He's won some. Yeah, Corey beat Corey Anderson. Um, yeah. You know, um, he beat Little Nog twice. Uh, he, got, he got Tyson Pedro out of there. Like, I think, I think OSP has less heart. I think OSP still has uh, less situational awareness. 
Um, I think if he's got anything left, and um, I think OSP is always going to have like a big puncher's chance, but Shogun should be able to ugly himself to a decision victory here. Or maybe get, or maybe if he hurts him, get him out of there. Because if OSP's hurt, you're going to get him out of there. Yeah, OSP's been looking pretty washed lately as well. He is so that's, one and three. And this is, I believe, is plus two. What gets you three points? Uh, plus two fifty. Not plus two hundred. Okay. Oh well. No, it's not. A, it's not a bad pick, and I and I did seriously consider it. I, I don't have a whole lot of belief in St. Pru, who got finished by Tanner Bozer. Who gets finished by Tanner Bozer? I, I like, did. The guy, the guy, the guy's known for going to decisions, right? Like the guy's known for winning very close competitive decisions. Here, got fucking smoked by him. Got smoked by Jamal Hill. Not a whole lot to be ashamed of there, but it was all one way action. Alonzo Manyfield, he caught him in that second round, but Ben Rothwell, he lost to at heavyweight too. Like these are not good looks. Nikita Krilov finished him. Uh, this was back in 2019. So the the way down has been coming. M Mikhail Olyanchuk, who has a win over in 2019, actually looked really good in the first round. Was piecing him up and then just kind of gas. So, which to be fair is what he's known for. So, OSP can can beat a guy with like really bad tendencies, low experience, bad cardio. That shouldn't be Shogun on paper. But man, the the power of Shogun tapping to strikes. Granted, against Paul Craig, who's proving to be a top level fighter. Um, it's tricky, but he, you know, he is coming off of that Tyson Pedro win. He took over in the second round against Paul Craig, uh, won the third round as well. That was a, a, a draw back in 2019 before the rematch. So I think it's a good rider. I think it's certainly worth taking. And it's hard to trust the, either of these guys. Like these are two of these guys who should be like the loser of this fight probably should be asked by the UFC to kindly retire. But the UFC should release him from their contract so they have the freedom to do whatever. I'm there with you, Nick. Um, there with you and not certainly at these odds. I think it's the right pick. My next pick is going to be in the matchup. Huh. I'm going to take from the Blagoy Ivanov, Marcos Rogerio de Lima matchup. I'm going to take Blagoy Ivanov. Huh. This is like relatively close on, on paper, right? But Blagoy, like there's two ways that Rogerio wins fights. He either knocks you out in the very first round. Blagoy Ivanov is extremely durable. Who's finished this man? This man was stabbed. Yeah, I was going to say chest. not not even a giant knife. Right, right. Like the, the guy's incredibly gritty and durable. He's got good conditioning. He's very fast. He's really good on the counter against an aggressive opponent. His output sometimes is concerning because he's mostly a counter fighter. But he's faced and beaten higher level fighters. That Rogerio Delima. Granted, Delima on a two fight winning streak. Maurice Green and Ben Rothwell. Not exactly like. Uh, great on your resume, but still, like these, you know, these serviceable heavyweights he's getting out of there. Blagoy Ivanov is more than that. He's a top 10 quality fighter. He's been out for a while, and I'm not sure what it was. I don't know if it was injuries, but he beat Sakai back in uh, exactly two years ago, actually, almost exactly two years. So, so a little bit of a layoff for this man. He, he was scheduled to fight Tybura in March of last year, but I'm glad to see him back. Uh, he is at this point 35 years old only, right? So it's not even that he's up there in age. He's the younger man in this matchup. Um, I think he's got the chin to survive the early onslaught, maybe. Take it easy and don't don't push too hard early. To, don't put yourself in a bad position against a heavy hitter. But there's no reason why Rogero de Lima should be able to take him down and ride out top position like he has against other opponents. That's the only other way he wins. Not known for his gas tank. Not known for heart. Um, you know, it's the guy that got submitted by a forearm by Alexander Romanov. So, granted, it is Romanov. Not a whole lot to be ashamed of there. But I got Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, I expect that he won't get starts in the first few minutes. Outside of that, he'll win. Interesting. Yeah, I was just nervous about this one because I don't know what's been going on over those two years. 
Um, I and heard he was that. Star- and he was start. He looked, uh, you know, he looked not nearly as good um, in his his last two fights than he did in his wins against Tyavusa and Rothwell. I mean, he's he looked durable, but like, you know. I don't know. He felt like he just seemed kind of slow and with a questionable output. I, I, th- I think I think I I may have picked. I may have thought that he won both those decisions. Let me quickly see MMA decisions. Um, for I him. love MMA. I, decisions. I'm pretty sure. Me, me too, man. Because it gives you a. That's why I, I put in Blagoy MMA decisions, and I got Playboy MMA decisions. Blagoy Ivanov. I can't believe I got there faster than you. I can. Your internet is just blazing fast. No, every everyone everyone gave it to Lewis, thirty twenty seven or twenty nine. That's fair. That's fair. Most people gave it to Sakai. To be fair, but it it was like a some gave it it. close decision. Yeah, some gave it. Both split decisions, by the way. Both both competitor fights um, against just better, more skilled competition than is um, than is uh, Rogério de Lima in this case. So, you know, I've got I've got some confidence in this. I I would place a bet on him at at these odds. Risky to do a, a decision bet, even though Blagoy almost never finishes, because Marcos Rogério de Lima gets so tired that you know he could be there right for the picking. But I do recommend him in, in just either a straight bet or a parlay. I'm gonna. Uh... Oh boy. Um. All right. Yeah. You know what? I don't see. There's a couple other wacky picks I want to make, but I don't. I think Trinaldo's got enough left for Danny Roberts. Like Trinaldo's the kind of guy who takes a licking and keeps on ticking. It's just a. Like you, here's here, here's how I would describe it. We often question if, if Francesco Trinaldo is human, right? Danny yeah. Roberts always lets us, always reminds us that he's human. <laughs> no joke. So no joke. I, I just think uh, I just think Trinaldo is uh, too much. He might get he might get put on on skates early, uh, or something. But I don't I don't think Roberts has the the kind of makeup that gives uh, that gives Trinaldo a tough time. Yeah, I do feel that. Um, I I agree with you on the pick. I think Danny Roberts can be pressured. Trinaldo's a good pressure fighter. Danny Roberts has higher output. He's more technical standing. He doesn't have very good takedown defense. And worst case, Trinaldo can hold him up against the fence and score some points, control points that way if he needs to, right? But Francisco's got some power in his hands. Danny Roberts has a shitty chin, as you alluded to. Um, you know, not super durable. He makes really bad decisions in there often enough. Um, he's not terribly physically strong, so... Trinaldo's got that old man strength. He's got that old man, like just old Brazilian man, heavy hands. Uh, he's got the Brazilian jiu-jitsu as a backup. He's old, right? So there's a chance that he might just have stepped over that line where Danny Roberts is out of reach, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. I like Trinaldo, especially at plus minus 110 odds. Might be a tidy decision, but I like Trinaldo to pick it up here. I think that's another bet worth uh, worth taking, well, especially at these odds. 43, yeah, but he also... He doesn't get hurt the way that his much younger countryman Cowboy Oliveira does. You know what I mean? Like we haven't really seen. It's true. He does get buzzed here and there, but yeah, you're but right. He's he gets. Not, he's not, he, you know, he gets kind of like he's not as washed he gets as, buzzed. as his, He doesn't get as the cowboy. You know, you right. know, you know, and we've never. I don't know what it looks like when his eyes roll in the back of his head because I haven't seen it. Um, no, I do hear that. Um, my next pick is going to be in the matchup between Lupi Godinez and Ariane Carnelosi. Uh-huh. I think that Ariane Carnelosi is a big, strong girl. She can do well against like not really UFC level fighters, against fighters who are going to get tired after a few minutes. 
because her conditioning is decent enough. Her takedown defense is not great. Her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is not great. She has some power standing, but she's not super technical. She's not very tall. Lupi Godinez, like, she's hot and cold at times, right? We're, we're seeing her lose matchups here and there that she should, on paper, be winning. And so it's hard to truly rely on her, but she's 7-2 and two overall. Loss was to Luana Coralina, who, granted, was a one-way division up on short notice uh, against a really, really tall girl for 125. And she took that matchup, and she looked good in the first round, but then things started to go against her after that. Luana Coralina, pretty experienced, good fighter. Jessica Penny, she arguably should have won that decision. It was a close one. If you had a second to quickly look to, uh, look up the MMA decisions on that, it was certainly very, very close. And Jessica Penny just kind of like held guard from standing position almost and kind of won that way. Uh, could have gone either way, though. Um, Silvana Gomez-Juarez, she just ran through. Yeah, most judges, in fact, yeah. I'm already on MMA decisions because I'm so fast. Uh, it yeah, was yeah. about two, it was uh, two, at least two to one. Uh, gave Four. the fight 29-28 Godinez over Penny. See? Right, so so arguably her only like real loss in her career should have been to Luana Carolina in a short notice bout, one weight division up, a really tall fighter. So Aaron Carnelosi is about her height. She doesn't have uh, that kind of size advantage. She might have... Uh, you know, on paper, maybe a strength advantage because she looks buff, but Lupita is a really good wrestler. So I like Lupita to pressure her way and look good here. Uh, could get a finish if she really works for Godinez for Stanislav. Yeah, man. Um, all right. Let's. This is a 15 fight card, so like we're only like a quarter of the way through, That's... folks. Just um, kidding. We got four fights left. I'm going to go. I maybe sorry to do this, but I'm going to go against my usual behavior. I'm going to pick the main event, and until this moment, I was convinced I was going to take Gagey for two points because he's he's the underdog by enough. But I think that if Oliveira survives, you know, past three minutes or so, and he likely can because of his durability now, that. Gagey has said things and has behaved as such. I mean, he says he's in a great place. He says he's glad he's not fighting in Abu Dhabi, you know, uh, like he'd done previously. He feels like all his preparation, everything is, is on point. But we all know that all it's going to take is Charles Oliveira getting on top of Justin Gagey or getting his back. Gagey gave up when Khabib had him in that position, was give, was giving up submissions. And he's, he has said things early when this fight was booked that I know I've got to finish it because if I'm on my back, it's over, or something like that. I just think that Oliveira should be able to play it, play it safe enough. Like, the guy, you know, the Gagey lands big, um... And he doesn't. He doesn't firefights. Like Oliveira's got the kicks, the front kicks. He's got the distance. He, sh if if Oliveira doesn't feel the need to just walk into the middle and, and point at the octagon like Junior Dos Santos, um, that you know, like I think he's I think he's like eighty percent to win this fight. So, I'm changing what my initial pick was going to be, which was Gagey for extra, and I think the champion leaves with the belt. Yeah, um, I I can see a fight or two that I'm probably a little bit more confident in than this one. It's probably my least confident fight on the card, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do edge Oliveira slightly, but 
you got to factor in that Oliveira has been hurt. I know. I did, so fact, I did factor in. I did factor in. couple of fights. That's what I was... No, right. Well, no, well, no and, and, and I'm not saying you haven't. I'm just saying it's just like that's part of the reason why it's hard for me to be confident. And at these odds, I probably would have taken a rider on Justin Gaethje. You know, there's literally just barely two sports books that have it at, uh, around plus 150. Um, no, but a, I agree a bunch now. of them. Once it the ground, it's not competitive. Oh really? I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. It, it, uh, it wasn't on Best Fight Odds. I found it somewhere else. Okay. Um, so 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 yeah, like I probably would have taken the underdog rider, but I agree with you officially on the pick. I think Oliveira is just so dangerous on the ground, and like Gaethje's never really had to have a great ground game. Never truly developed it because he relied on his wrestling to keep him standing and to avoid takedowns. Right. You know, the kind of takedowns that he's used to avoiding and, and, and defending, this is not what Oliveira's going to go for. He usually goes for an upper body clinch. And I'm sure the Gaethje's, like, work to defend that. But I have a feeling that, like, that Oliveira grappling strength, like, doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, since he was, like, probably in his early teens, right? Like, and he's, dude's, like, he was, a, he was a black belt when he was still in his teens. And he's really filled and, out. And, I mean, he's just mu- he's much, he he's much stronger. He used to get pushed around. Yeah. He used to get pushed around physically. He, he used like to just break mentally. He, yeah, I mean, yeah. He I looked mean, like a absolutely. kid in his fa- in his expressions and his responses when he yeah, would get right. injured or lost, sit in the corner, whatever. Like he was, he you're was, right. he was like a kid. And now he walks like a man. He talks like a man. And he's and he's broad, like you know, like a man. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure those are the exact words to 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 walk like a man. But um, that's the thing is, you're right. Like he's he's really coming wrote, to his I wrote own. That song. I believe it. Uh, over over the course of these wins that he's got, Clay Guida by finish, Jim Miller by finish. This is back in 2018 when both guys were less far past their prime. I'll put it to you that way. David Tamor by finish. who's a solid fighter. Nick Lentz, he finished twice. Jared Gordon, he finished. Kevin Lee finished. Tony Ferguson, dominant decision. Michael Chandler, he knocked out. Uh, Dustin Poirier, he, he finished, right? So dude is legitimately, genuinely a finisher. He's a pressure fighter, but... All those times he gets tagged, dude, it's hard to be sure because the moment it hits the ground, could be over, right? Probably will be, honestly, unless Justin's able to just explode immediately. But the way well, that Oliveira latches onto you and, and turns it into a back take, man, that's like worst-case scenario with him. And he's brilliant at getting it, even from the clinch. He doesn't necessarily need a full takedown to take your back. Um, you know, though, and, well, let me just interject mm-hmm. real quick. For all of Justin yeah. Gagey's power and our concern here, like, how many people has Gagey really just switched off? It's usually these insane wars of attrition. You're like he's right. A, he's see, a hard hitter, but it's a little different than, than the Chaos so Williams. So, past his prime, Donald Cerrone with no chin. He did switch off Edson Barboza, which, granted, okay, he's yeah, been so, knocked yeah, out so here did there, Jamie but Varner. it's impressive. Yeah. Um, James, James Vick, he knocked out, who doesn't have a great chin. To be fair, he did eventually knock out Michael Jackson after getting touched up early in his uh, UFC tenor. Or I should say his UFC debut even, but um, that, that's the thing. You're right. It's like, not in Ganu. He doesn't have any. You know? it's not... No, no, you're right. He's not in Ganu, but he's you know he's got more skill, more speed, and staying power. The thing is that 155, that alone, is not going to make you champion. So yeah, look, I, I agree with you on the pick. It's it's a little bit to me. It's a little bit more risky than than some of these others. And again, I would have considered I taking a right I don't know about points. that, but we'll see what you have to say no, about fair. these people. That that is fair. Um, my next pick. You know what? I actually want to check odds before I make this pick. I'm actually very curious where it's at. Interesting. There's only one sports book that has it at plus 150. Nick, what do you think? You're going to give this nope. to me? Come oh, on. wait. Hang on. No, you're right. You're right. Let me think about it for a second. God damn nope. it. Nope. We both know where this is going. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just want to, check. I just want to check one more site. Hang on. You're actually going to check one? Nope. 
What what's this other site you saw? You saw. Uh, I'll tell um, you in a, I'll tell you. I'll find it in a second. Hang on. It, oh God damn it, Nick! This is. I mean, come on. Christ. Well, I got to go to. I got to my internet ahead. history, and we all know it's messy. Oh geez, is that messy, Nick? The the things that you're going to see there. Um, in my next pick, I'm going to take. I think I'm going to take Brandon Royval to get Matt Schnell. I see the risk here. There's a reason it's one of our last few fights that we're not picking right. But the thing about him is that he's a finisher, right? Royval seems to have the conditioning, although earlier in his career, less experience, maybe not as much. He has the durability. He That spinning back elbow, which has consistently hurt high-level opponents for him, right? Like, that's impressive shit. Um, Matt Schnell, who is really fast, really technical standing, defensively is porous, and he doesn't have a great chin. He's doing a better job lately, but he's not fighting somebody as dangerous as Brandon Rybal is going to be walking forward, who's um, you know one of the few guys in this division that's as big, if not bigger, than is Matt Schnell. So I've got Rybal, I think, on the ground. He could have a chance, although both these guys are known for snagging submissions out of nowhere. Standing up, though, Rybal, less technical, more, way more aggressive, way higher pace, and just more durable than Matt Schnell, who's gotten clipped too many times for him to be reliable in a matchup like this. Uh, I've sent you those odds. So you're going with uh, my usual pick, Brandon Royval. Yes, sir. Yeah. Although, although I'm I'm making it in a fight that he's going to win. You made it in fights where he lost. So Not entirely. Nice. I picked him against Kaikar France. Jerk. Um. By the way, has a win over fucking Kaikar France, who's a really good fighter. As it turns out. As it turns out. Uh. All right. We got just two fights left to pick. Yes, I believe so. Is this the last pick? This might be the last pick, Nick. Oh, is it? It is. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Hmm. Um. I. Then it's it's Garcia Newsom. It is. Yep, Garcia Newsom and Cortez Gato. Yeah, I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take Garcia Newsom. I mean Garcia over Newsom. Newsom didn't really. Um, Impressed me very much. Uh, his last time out, he's a contender. We've got a, you know, got a contender series guy. Um, in his previous fight, um, Fernie Garcia was, but I think uh, a Fortis fighter. I'm, just, I'm, you know, I'm not very educated on it, but I'm gonna take, uh, I'm gonna take Garcia, which is I think where the odds are pointing as well. Now I disagree with this one. I, I got Journey Newsom. I actually think the guy has some potential. Um, he. Has a knockout in the UFC pretty early on. He made his UFC debut on a short notice against a high-level opponent. Didn't look bad. I think he's got the wrestling. He's he should have the power. He should be able to counter Fernie Garcia. Both these guys are kind of boxers, but Newsom, in my opinion, is more athletic. Um, I, I like Newsom slightly more, but but I haven't watched much on Fernie Garcia, so there there might be a reason why he's favored. Um, and for the record, as far as the Tracy Cortez yeah. Melissa Gato fight, well, what's your pick? God, that's a really hard one because eventually we're going to run into one of these – Cortez is going to run into an opponent um, who isn't going to um, – who's going to be able to defend against you know her her takedowns, which aren't exactly um, – yeah, I think always like set up very well. And she's got this like – her boxing's pretty short arm. It's wrestle boxing. And you know Cortez has been tough enough to win so far and win split decisions – um, by the by, the virtue of the strength of her wrestling, but she's but she has struggled a bit. And after watching Gatto uh, knock out Eubanks with that front like vicious front kick uh, to the stomach, 
And I think Gatto has, if memory serves, has something like 77% takedown defense. Um, so I think that my, I fear that this may be the fight where Tracy Cortez gets exposed a little bit and, and has to, um, cause it's not going to come from like, like sheer athleticism. She's going to have to f- uh, figure out how to, how to expand her game. Um, she's going to run into that soon. I just don't know if it's now. It's tricky, right? Tracy Cortez, clearly the better wrestler in this matchup, but Melissa Gatto, probably the better striker, oh, probably the better jiu-jitsu player, yeah. right? So, so we're, and I usually, I tend to pick the one that's better at the striking and the, and the uh, grappling game against the better wrestler. Same philosophy I had with Damian Maya going up against Askren and, and several other fights, right? If it was plus 150, which it was earlier in the week, I actually placed the bet on Gatto. Um, by finish. Um, I would have picked Gato in our competition. Yeah. I would have picked there earlier. But because the odds are pretty close, I guess I'll edge Cortez. Partially, like, what I have in mind when I say that, first of all, Gato may be something truly fucking special. Tracy Cortez is like a serious prospect herself, right? Both these girls are, so it's an exciting matchup. But Tracy Cortez trains and is super close with, uh, is dating Brian Ortega, who is about as she, good I a did, submission artist as I it gets. I didn't know that. She is? I'm... I'm going to double check Tracy Cortez, Brian Ortega. I'm fairly certain they are one of the MMA couples. Yeah. Wow. So, so uh, for that reason, I do like Cortez uh, in, in this one because, like, you would think that Brian Ortega and his crew are people that can get her ready for an extremely opportunistic finisher off of her back. And she's training with Fight Ready. She's super close with Henry Cejudo, right? Her brothers were high-level wrestlers. She's a really good wrestler. Like, she's been around this game. She drinks and eats and dates and and is related to and is friends with this game. Everything in her life is about MMA. Um, And, you know, she did look kind of spotty in her last fight against uh, Justine Keish, who's actually a pretty solid fighter. So I see the openings here. Um, Again, worth the flyer, absolutely, on uh, Gato, who could be something truly, truly yeah, special. Yeah, I here, definitely. I'm, I'm gonna edge Cortez I, slightly. I definitely would have picked. Now, now that I know about the relationship, I actually think that's not good um, for training. <laughs> Tell me more. Well, I mean, he's a super famous fighter, gets lots of opportunities, and gets to go to parties and cool shit. And like, I'm just, yeah, I, I'm just saying, I, I it could go either way. I'm looking at a lot of pictures of them right now where they're doing shit that isn't training martial arts. Oh, I, I certainly believe that. And, and to be fair, like, I would imagine their lifestyles have always been like that. I can see them being a distraction, but also they're both like high-level fighters. Look at the shape she's in. She's in the best shape of her life, according to these Instagram photos. And she, I mean, she always looks pretty amazing. I mean, we'll see. I'll just, you know, we'll see what happens. I like her. I've always been a fan of her. This is the first time I'm picking against her. I just, I just feel like we've seen in that Kish fight. I just felt like we really saw her struggle in a way that I didn't think we would. Right. Definitely concerning, especially against such a serious finisher she's facing in this in this matchup. So look, may, maybe that's a good reason to change the pick. All right, so you're going with Gato? I am. Yeah, um, I, I do. I do. Man, Gato might be something so fucking special. Fuck it, I'll go with you on this one, Nick. Why not? Let's love it a little. little. Um, Nikolai, yes, sir. Uh, we are how many minutes into this episode? Let's let's see if uh, we've even got the time to touch on last week's fifty-six, 56 minutes. minutes. We got to talk. We got to talk about Cheeto and Font at least. Talk to Holy me, What are your shit. impressions of this one? Holy shit. I, he, like, Cheeto Rivera is one of the rare, rare UFC fighters who, at now at a, at a fairly high level for a while, hurts you when he touches you. 
It's like, it's the way they use, I feel like it's the way they used to describe Anderson Silva. You know, he didn't necessarily throw a ton of strikes, but I, I'm not, I can't recall which, which of his opponents said this. It might have been Marquardt. It might have been um, Travis Luter. But someone said, uh, or maybe Forrest Griffin, someone said that the difference fighting Anderson Silva is that every time he touches you, it really hurts. And that's, Cheeto Rivera has that. He touches you and he hurts you. He's not scoring points. He's picking up. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's if it's timing, and he always gets you when you're moving toward. Gets gets you. Uh, you know, makes your momentum work against you, or the natural power he generates. But he hurts dudes. He 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 breaks legs. He busts up faces. He's been KOing. Um, really, you know, terrific competition, and he sliced up Rob Font. We haven't seen a mug look look like that much mincemeat in a in in quite a while and it was very dispiriting because font was um really good in the first two rounds he wasn't i mean i guess a little bit of it was pitter patter but i felt like he was he was throwing some shots with pop um you know and his and his jab was great but he started um you know he, he started getting countered and what and also um Cheeto was able to had a, had a skill. One of his best best skills is one that Font doesn't share, which is to be able to keep the fight at kicking range and do damage from there. Um, so he he's a wily tough tough guy, and all the more props to Aldo for you know for getting that win over him, because uh, Rivera's going to be a force, and they now they're saying we're going to see him against uh, Corey Sanhagen, the Achilles heel. And that's not a definitely booked fight, but I think it's likely to be booked. The Achilles heel, though, is Vera has to start faster. I don't know how to how to fix that because it seems like he, he he takes the first round to get comfortable, get his data, and then in, he, in the second round he's a murderer. Um, I don't know, but it's he can't if he's going up against Corey Sanhagen against. Uh, I mean, maybe not against Petr Jan because they would have a really boring first round together. But even against Aljamain Sterling... Would not be boring, Nick. No way. <laughs> you, even against Aljamain Sterling, um, he can't... With these, with the big step up, Rivera cannot take that first round off because he'll... These just are big dudes. Like, they're big... He'll get he'll get mauled and turned into a pretzel. They are, the, the wrestling and the chokes, I think, are too good. Um, anyway, watched him get body locked for, for four and a half minutes against Aldo. So he's got he's got to learn to compete in the first round. I think that Marlon Vera, now that he's in this five-round territory, he could fucking be champion. The dude is a lot like Piotr Jan in a lot of ways. Yeah, in that, that's fair. Again, they're very similar. That pressure game almost never truly works from the very beginning, unless you have just insane stopping power. I think Vera, I think Vera may hurt guys more than Jan even. Like... I don't know. I think they're very similar. You got to consider this is Rob Font, who was dropped, you know, several times in his last fight too, and buzzed several times in the last fight. Fight went very similarly. He was landing a lot more, um, and toward the end of you know several of the rounds, he got buzzed really badly. Same thing against Chito Vera. Chito Vera is dangerous with his feet, with his hands. He looked better here. He looked faster with his hands. That work with Jason Pearl is doing clearly a lot for him. And in this one instance, Chito Vera got outstruck by like a good number of strikes, like like. More than sixty strikes. If I, yeah, if I don't know if we've ever seen a. I mean, we probably have, but like a strike differential, where a guy got this big, right? Where a guy won, yeah, right, and, and still won, right, decisively too. Forty nine, forty six, 
in favor of Chito Vera, and I think that was correct. Man, like, he just kept hurting him late in the round. This is the way that, if you think about it, Piotr Jan came up doing this exact yes. thing. Piotr Jan hurt Aldo this way at the end of several rounds was the reason that he was able to really kind of take over and, and finish him late. He did it to... Um, I forget the guy's name, uh, Jimmy Rivera. Yeah, right. Jimmy Where Rivera, Jimmy Rivera, yes. outside of like the, the twelve second period, if you take it out of that fight, Jimmy Rivera won all three rounds, like almost every minute of it. But he got hurt late in a couple of those rounds. So you know, it, it, five rounds is gonna do a lot for Marlon Vera. It's less of a factor that he's got one round off. It's not the worst thing, right? True. Granted, in a super close fight, this hurt Piorian that he didn't have. He, he's not a strong, fast starter. It hurt him in his one true loss uh, to Angel Aljamain Sterling, right? It was, it was not his round. It was competitive, but not really his round. And it's never really his round, right? So he needed that one going late as he won rounds four and five. That first round made the difference. So I could see Chiro Vera getting kind of affected in that way. But, man, there's a world of potential after this matchup. How about Piotr Yen? I hate to see either guy lose, but, man, would I love to see this fight. That will be fan-fucking-tastic, man. Um, Tito Vera is is incredible. It does seem like at this point, Rob Font's durability, man, is just not there. He's got hit grit. He's got heart. He does not give up. He he recovers quickly because he's incredibly conditioned. The level of output that he's able to like throw, man, that's it's uncanny, Nick. Like how many times he gets hurt, but he's still throwing that much. To be fair, late in the fight, the snap in his punches are not the same. He's more tired. He's slowing down, especially after taking a bunch of damage. And you got to talk about Tito Vera's ability to just like. No matter how much he looks like he's getting hit by a busy opponent, he will just block. He, he just avoids most of those shots. He rides with a lot of those shots um, and took this thing away. He looked perfect. He looked like he never was in a fight, even though he took hundreds of strikes. Whereas fucking Ralph Font looked like he was he went through the meat grinder, well, right? You know like, what's messed huge up? disparity well, in that you way. You know what's kind of fucked yeah. up, I just realized, is, you know, I said rhetorically, when's the last time we saw somebody's face look like mincemeat like that? It was his fucking training partner. Calvin Guitar against Max. That's right. Like what's yeah, those guys, these right. guys are But Max did it with hundreds of strikes. So like four hundred strikes. He he set a well, record Rob, on that fight. I mean Rob Font uh, got yeah, you're right. You're right, Rob Font did. But it's um yeah. So Cheetah Vera didn't need to land nearly as much. He got more knockdowns than did Max no, I'm Holloway. Just, I'm just right? saying. Uh, and he the, did as, at least as much damage. But the point that I want to make is what's 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 the problem with striking defense at their gym? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's not a bad point at all. It's a, cur- it's a curiosity. It like-, like, they're obviously high-level, yeah. you know, they're obviously super high-level boxers. Calvin just, like, lit up Giga Chikadze. But is it is it the one-dimensional factor? Is it that there's other stuff coming towards them? And they're, and they're- I definitely don't think they're one-dimensional, but you're right. It's, they're it not seems one-dimensional, to be- but you know what I mean. They're, bo- they're boxing. Their games are heavily boxing-centric, both of them. They they are although uh, although Font has been has been showing a lot more takedowns uh, more recently in his competition. You're right, like that high output is what Font relies on in particular, but that defense is not quite there. But there's a difference in that Font has doesn't really have the chin. He's got the durability. He doesn't have the chin, man. He gets dropped. He gets wobbled so often, so frequently by guys that have power, but man, not the kind of power no, to he like was, make he was you an outer, he dance was in outer space four or five after times. the third round. Of the fight. There's no, I mean. Yeah, and in that second round, he first got buzzed, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. So, look, incredible performance by Marlon Vera, like a world of potential after this. If he does get another kind of exciting, impressive win, he could easily be walking into a title shot following that. So, really impressive stuff by him. And then, man, Andre Arlovsky takes another close one, man. He didn't deserve the first or third rounds against Jake Collier. I thought he won that second round pretty clearly, actually. I thought he landed the more effective shots. 
Um, but man, Jake Collier gets screwed here again. I think it's the second decision when Collier uh, when yeah. Collier fought. Uh, but his stock. But here's the thing about Jake Collier's last 18 months. Okay, um, ever yeah. since he came back and got who's who's who rocked him Aspinall. Tom Aspinall uh, ran okay, through. Okay, so yeah. that that ends up looking a lot better. The car. The yeah, Carlos, Carlos Felipe. He, 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 he deserved the decision. He deserved the decision there. Like, here's what he's proven. Like. There's a there's a shortage of, of durable skilled heavyweights that can go and are and can be fun to watch, um, and move forward and are tough. Like they just got rid of Ben Rothwell. Like Jake Collier is the new Ben Rothwell. I think. Like I think he's he's trading wins and losses. Um, you know, in his really in his entire UFC career over seven years, he's he's all. Uh, but dude, he should be like four and one, and he is two and three. Yeah, he that's, should be. That's so, it's just yeah. terrible no, luck, man. Yeah, his losses should be to Tom. His losses, uh, yeah, his, honestly, his only real UFC loss should have been to Aspinall. Yeah, man. Yeah, like it's it. Uh, I, I do won, really, me over. really genuinely feel and bad for well, the guy. You don't have to yeah. feel like he's not he's not going anywhere. Like he's not gonna. He, this isn't the guy that's gonna get cut. No, he shouldn't. Yeah. Chase Chase Sherman's no, not no, gonna yeah, hang yeah. around. Like Jay Collier, who I picked to beat Jay Collier because um, I'm a moron. I know because you you freaking love Chase not Sherman. Not anymore. I, yeah. I switched. Now I love Chase Collier. Um, <laughs> what was there anything else worth? Did you just re- rename Jake uh, Collier to Chase Collier? Maybe. Um, outside, outside of that, um, uh, Grant Dawson, Jared Gordon. I had Jared Gordon in that one. I, I made a you know, bad pick. We didn't record an episode, granted, because I just had a, 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 my daughter. But, man, Grant Dawson looked fucking unbelievable. That was an incredibly impressive win over a really, really good opponent. Unbelievable stuff. Outside of that, Romanoff ran over Sherman, as we expected. And um, Nathan Levy, Mike Breeden should have been fight of the night, by the way. I assume that the main event won it. It shouldn't have been. That was an incredible fight, and thus far, my fight of the year. That was just an insane they fight, gave, man. It, you, yeah. should, you should see it at the, um, They gave them the, the main event was uh, to get fight of the night. Um, I figured it would, uh, which I, I don't think is fair considering. Main so event was competitive, but man, Darren, that Levy Breeden fight was Darren insane. Elkins beat a guy that's previ- that, uh, that beat a middleweight Michelle Bahia, which is weird to say. That is um, pretty wild. Mirshard Charcot yeah, was like everyone, everyone waiting for Mirshard to come back and him not coming back. Um, well, Mirshard's used to taking yeah. over against guys who get tired. Yeah. Jotko does not get tired. That's why I was pretty yeah. confident Jotko and placed um, the bet on Romanov. Him. Roman, what, the thing about Romanov that was most interesting was he looked like a different dude. I don't know if it was a shave and a haircut, but I thought that he had a lot less body, looked in he shape. Had a lot less body fat, yeah. right? Um, yes, presumably he's taking his cardio seriously after that close one against. Uh, one he really, he uh, talked about a fight somebody, somebody lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, that really should have been his. That yeah, that, was, been that his, was definitely a tricky loss. Um, there's all sorts of fun fights to make for Romanov. Uh, he's he's exciting at the weight class. Yeah, I agree. And Juan Espina, by the way, is like fantastic fighter. His only loss, um, actually, is that a, yeah, this, his only real losses to Romanov besides the loss to Vitaly Minikov back in 2011. He's, four, yeah, he's 41 now. Of. Like, give this guy a fight. I don't know. I know, man. I'm not sure what's going. It could be injuries, especially at his age. But who knows? But I, I hope he does come back soon because he looked really good. The only guy that's ever looked even decent against Romanov, and uh, Romanov learned from that, right? Like that's the key. Is if you can kind of like Khabib did against. Um, who was it that could be fought that everybody feels Gleason, he lost the decision? Gleason Tebow, right? Like, if you can walk away with a win where you maybe should have lost, like, and you take lessons away from that and you improve from it, that's a huge opportunity because he just, like, skipped over his uh, his his prospect yeah, loss, yeah. essentially, but got all the benefits and got none of the downsides. That's, like, 
that's a great position to be in. And yeah, maybe some opponents will be a little more confident going into a fight against him now. But if he shorted it up uh, with, you know, by getting into just solid shape, it's great for Romanov. He's, again, I've called him the kind of Khabib of heavyweight for a little while now. I'm, I'm really into that prospect and, and super excited about him. Nikolai, that should do it for this episode. I look forward to scanning the results. I look forward to seeing what what we were able to do with our total points, well, me one, being 45 to your 40 about. points. Do you have a second? Yeah. They've been announcing a lot of fights, and I don't know if this one's official yet, and some of them are really exciting, like Robbie Lawler, Brian, Brian Barbarena. I'm really excited for that. But Oh, I'm into been, that. Yes, Great been, fight. A lot of fights have been announced, and the one that everyone's saying is on the July card, believe it or not, is Hamzat Shemaev against Nate Diaz, Nathan right? Diaz. I don't know if I buy that. I don't want to see that. I don't know if I buy it. I, I, I don't... Like, is Nate Diaz really going to take that fight? Or is the UFC just basically like, listen, you either fight him or you wait out your contract. Good luck. Good luck fighting Jake Paul when you're 40. Yeah, I don't know. but um, Which, to be fair, if he's 40, it only increases the chances that Jake Paul is willing to fight. I, I, well, they're saying that the August... I'm hearing rumors that the August fight for Jake Paul is... Um, or is it Logan Paul? Which, which Paul knocked out uh, Tyron Woodley twice? Jake. I'm hearing that, that Anderson could be next for Jake. I would love That's that. What, I mean, that hey, listen, if he, not, he knocks out Anderson Silva, like, no excuse there. Anderson Silva can box. Well, well, that's the thing is that, you know, there's a chance that Anderson Silva just boxes him up and then he just lands a haymaker at some point in the fight, just, like, runs forward and lands a handmaker and maybe wins that way because Anderson Silva's not durable anymore. But I agree. I think Anderson's on the juice again now that he's out of the UFC. So, you know, they're both on the juice. It's this guy that's about his size, the guy that's way more skilled specifically in boxing than is Jake Paul. So, yeah, I, I agree. This would be a, a real test. Although, you know, some people were, were saying that Tyron Woodley was a real I, test. I mean, it's a test he, of something. I just, you know, I mean... Yeah, true. And, and he was a test for that time, right? The first Woodley fight was a good test for it. It was an honestly close fight. I, I thought Woodley probably deserved it, if only because he landed the bigger shots and, and, and the cleaner shots, even though he landed way less of them. But this was the right kind of test for, for an up-and-comer who you know probably will never reach anywhere near like top 10 level, but you know is making a shitload of money fighting these novelty fights. Uh, good on him, man. He's, he's making his dough, and I, and I can't uh, blame him for it. He's not taking the risks that Conor McGregor and all these other guys are. He's making insane, insane money. Not Conor McGregor money, but insane money. And he's probably going to end up making, you know, not too far off of McGregor's total bankroll uh, once it's all said and done. Nikolai, that'll do it for episode 137. Looking forward to seeing how all of this shakes out. Just real quick, when it comes to my bets, put uh, Cleats and Rodriguez in a parlay. Put Nama Yunus in a parlay at minus 220. I placed a bet on her at minus 170 uh, a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned that on this podcast. Um, Andre Fialho by, by knockouts might be worth a prop. I'm not sure what the odds are exactly on that one. Couldn't hurt to throw something on Tony Ferguson. I'm talking about like, I don't know. $30 to potentially win 100 kind of thing. Like, don't don't break the bank on this at all. Um, and outside of that, Joe Lozon, uh, maybe a, a bet on Joe Lozon in the first round, and Joe Lozon inside the distance, uh, plus 150 is going to look even better. That way, Norma Dumont should be on some parlays, in my opinion. Blagoy Ivanov should be worth a bet at minus 150. Uh, Chaos Williams, I'm a believer in, but that one has more risk. That, that one you should be careful with. Certainly don't parlay that because that'll that could tank your whole parlay. Francisco Trinaldo's worth a bet, in my opinion. Um, Melissa Gatto at these odds. Uh, Melissa Gatto by finish might be worth a bet. There's some interesting stuff here. Journey Newsom, I think, might be worth a bet, who I think is the underdog in this one, but probably should not be. Anything else, Nick? Just reminding our listeners that gambling can be dangerous. If you need help, there's probably a number you can Google. 
Do you want to Google it for them and give it out? Let them reach. Fair enough. The music's probably playing us out at this point anyway. <laughs> uh, all right, my friend. Nick. Well, hopefully I win, take hopefully care I win some bud. points. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, bud. <laughs>